We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And now... The third guy was Brian Barrett. He was good. Streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Other sports shows can't compare it. And that's... This is the Brian Barrett Show. How about this juicy nugget? I think music is obnoxious. It's too loud. On Boston Sports Original. The way this works is you say something, I say something, you say something. That's how it works. You can't just keep talking. W-E-E-I. I'm feeling frisky now. I'm feeling very excited. All right, welcome in. We're taking you all the way up until the first pitch of the Sox today as they try to avoid a sweep at the hands of the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday. I mean, that was just an embarrassment, the roster they put out there. And look, it's not their fault. Story's hurt. Rafael Devers is on the injured list. J.D. Martinez is dealing with back spasms. And Kike Hernandez is now on the 60-day IL as he tries to make his way back. So they can't really avoid that lineup. Sanchez is playing second base. At one point in that game yesterday, I don't know what the hell he's doing. He doesn't throw the ball home. He just holds on to the ball. Like I said, I can't get too worked up about Sanchez. He's not supposed to be playing in that game. They cannot hit with runners in scoring position. We saw that again yesterday. The opportunity in that game to win was in the second inning. And I know that sounds like it's hyperbolic to say something along those lines, or I should say in the third inning. That's your opportunity to win that game. And when you're a Red Sox team right now that quite frankly, or I should say, yeah, it was in the second inning. When you're a Red Sox team right now that is down all its big guns, and Alec Manoa, and I'll get to him in a second here because that guy, I got no respect for him after what he did yesterday. But anyway, you look at that situation yesterday, second inning. The Red Sox are pressing to score any runs against a guy of that caliber. And Bobby Dahlbeck, credit him. He hits a home run as bad as his season's been. Nice hit by him yesterday. Hits it over the monster. Congratulations to Bobby Dahlbeck. I'd like to see that happen more often. But nonetheless, he hits a home run. You got to give credit where credit's due. But Manoa in that inning was wobbly. He did not have good stuff. And remember, at one point, he went to throw the ball, and he didn't throw it because he was dealing with something. Now, they went out there, they went to see if he was okay, and it felt like everything was okay with him. But after that point, you could tell he wasn't the same guy. And his velocity was down throughout the game. The horizontal break on his slider was not there. He was still able to mow through the Red Sox for most of the afternoon. But that second inning, they had a chance. So after the back home run, Jackie Bradley Jr. singles, then Sanchez grounds out. And by the way, I give Alex Cora and the coaching staff credit here because 
once Sanchez is on at the plate, they put a contact play on because they like, all right, the chances of this guy getting hit are not good. We just cannot have him hitting into a double play. And they were right to do it because he grounded out. So luckily, Jackie Bradley Jr. is on the move. They put on a contact play. So he gets to second, and then he advances to third on a wild pitch. And remember, Jeter Downs comes up. And Jeter Downs, by the way, one of the guys that was traded for Mookie Betts. Let's just acknowledge that Jeter Downs is part of that. And everyone went nuts because he had the big hit against the Yankees a couple of weeks ago, about two weeks ago now. Everybody's like, oh yeah, Jeter Downs, what a big hit. You know what Jeter Downs is doing now? He's striking out. (laughs) His strikeout rate is 53%, 52.9% to be exact. This guy is striking out north of 50% of the time. This was guy number two in the Mookie Betts trade. Alex Verdugo, And Jeter Downs for Mookie Betts. Come on down. Let's go. Jeter Downs striking out 53% of the time. But anyway, so, and this is a heady play by Manoa. I got to give him credit. When Downs turns to bunt, immediately Manoa throws the ball at him. And, of course, he fouls it off Does Jeter Downs. Instead of getting out of the way or getting hit, he actually fouls it. So then what does he do? He strikes out, which we always see that with Jeter Downs. He swings at a four-seamer that is not in the strike zone whatsoever. Easy work for Alec Manoa. And then Jaron Duran, a 2-0 pitch and a ball that Jaron Duran should have done damage with. He can't even get it to the Green Monster. Falls short of that. That's the end of the inning. That was your opportunity to win the game. You need to put up a crooked number in that inning because this team is not hitting right now because of all the injuries. And I acknowledge that. But that was the opportunity right there. So if you look at the Red Sox in the game, 0-5 for with runners in scoring position. This continues to be a trend for this team. And yesterday they had their opportunity. Downs can't come through. Duran can't come through. And that's where the Red Sox are at right now. They lose 4-1, and you felt hopeless after that because they didn't really have a lot more chances after that portion of the game. You felt like, hey, just get it to the bullpen, but the Red Sox couldn't do anything against the Blue Jays' bullpen either. Romano goes out there for a second inning, and Cora's chasing a win yesterday, which I can't blame him. It's 28-5 on Friday night, and then you're in a situation where on Saturday, it's only a 3-1 game. You bring in your best relievers. You bring in a guy like Shriver. I can't say that that was the wrong move by Cora, I would go for the win too. I mean, <laughs> that's your chance to win. You got Brian Bayo going today. Hopefully he pitches better, but this guy's been walking the ballpark left and right. He's got a walk rate north of 16%. And if you look at qualified starters, no guy's over 11%. Dylan Cease is the worst in baseball at 11%. No guy's north of that. He's walking 16% of batters. I like the kid. I like his stuff and all that, but the command is not there. Quite frankly, he hasn't looked like he's ready for the big leagues, and he wouldn't be up with this team right now if it wasn't for all the injuries with the pitching staff in general. Sale and Avaldi was out for a while. That's why he was up here. And the Rich Hills, the Michael Walkers of the world. So we'll see what we get from Bayo. I'm enthusiastic to watch the kid pitch. I think it's a storyline in a game where there's not a lot of storylines today considering the health status of this team at this particular point in time. But this is where the Red Sox are at. You had one chance in that game last night. You couldn't come through, and that was it. that was the end of it. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. We're taking you all the way up until the first pitch of the Red Sox game. So if you do want to win in the Sox, and David Ortiz on the table all day, I'll get to him in just a second here. But it hit me yesterday watching that game that if you look at the core guys here that have been with the Red Sox for, that were with the Red Sox in 18, it just feels like the end. And it's sort of upsetting to watch how it's ending for these guys. Because if you think about the group that this team had, they were so good in 2018. They set the record for the most wins in franchise history. 
And yesterday I'm watching that game, and Bogarts is out there flying solo. Of course, J.D. Martinez dealing with the back spasms. Raphael Devers is dealing, of course, with a hamstring injury. And then Mookie Betts is playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. We'll get to that in a second here. But if you just look at it, Raphael Devers was put on the injured list yesterday. He may have played his last game ever with Xander Bogarts because the trading deadline is August 2nd. Raphael Devers goes on the injured list yesterday. Who the hell knows what's going to happen with Bogarts over the next couple of weeks or so. Now, I don't believe they're going to trade him. I don't. Now, of course, he'd have to agree to any trade, waive his no-trade clause and all that. But we're at this possibility because we know this is not a possibility. It is going to happen after the season. Bogarts is going to another organization. He is signing with somebody else after the season based on the way that Bloom and the front office have disrespected one of the great players of this Red Sox era. They have flat-out disrespected the guy. There's no way around it. They have disrespected Xander Bogarts by the contract they offered him prior to the season, which is $30 million, one extra year, paying him less money on an annual basis than Trevor Story. The front office has disrespected one of the great players of this Red Sox era. No way around it. You cannot argue to the contrary. And whether or not, like, I can get there and say they shouldn't sign Bogarts long-term. His power numbers go down every year. Isolated slugging goes down. Slugging goes down. Expected slugging. Home runs. All that stuff goes down. I can get to that level with Bogarts, but what I can't get to is disrespecting one of the great players that this Red Sox team has had in recent history. The leader of this team, a two-time champion. Don't offer a contract that isn't a real contract. That is flat-out disrespectful. And you know it's going to get out there because his agent is Scott Boris. Scott Boris is the most powerful agent in the game. We know that. Heim Bloom knows that. Why do you make that offer? That's what irks me about the situation with Bogarts. But anyway, getting back to this. If you look at since the start of 19, Fangraph's war. Mookie Betts is sixth in Major League Baseball, 16.6 wins above replacement. Rafael Devers, 16.3 wins above replacement. That is seventh in Major League Baseball since the start of 19. Xander Bogarts, 15.6 wins above replacement. That is 11th in Major League Baseball. I really felt when they signed J.D. Martinez, which Dave Dombrowski deserves a lot of credit for, People were criticizing him at the time for not trading for Giancarlo Stanton. You know that was happening. J.D. Martinez knocked it out of the park for this team. Yeah, he's not having a great season from a power perspective. This guy has been a great member of this organization. Unbelievable signing by Dave Dombrowski. And a very good contract, by the way. I should add that as well. So you had J.D. Martinez, one of the greatest, great sluggers of the past four to five years. You had Mookie Betts, who was an MVP. You had Rafael Devers, an up-and-coming star, and Xander Bogarts, and we all knew Raphael Devers was an up-and-coming star with the exception of Hein Bloom. But anyway, and Xander Bogarts here. And you felt like, holy crap, they are on to something. This is going to be a sustainable winner for a long period of time. And look, 19 did not go well. We all acknowledge that. I criticized them at the time. I don't know what the hell was going on, the whole plan with the spring training and the starting pitchers, and nobody was ready to go at the beginning of the season. I didn't agree with flipping Mookie and... Benintendi in the lineup, and it took a while for Core to make that change. But the overwhelming point is, when you looked at that roster, and that's another guy I forgot, Benintendi, when you looked at that roster and you looked at that group, that Red Sox 2018 team was an absolute wagon. And now we're looking at the end of that core. And I just feel like they didn't get enough out of that group. And I'm not talking about in particular players, because they were all great players for this organization. Nobody can argue to the contrary. 
They had the 18 run where they, of course, best team in franchise history. Unbelievable. I mean, that run was so great. You think about Andrew Benintendi with the catch to clinch the series against the Astros. You think about how dominant that Red Sox team was. That's not how World Series are ordinarily won. They ran through everybody. They beat the Yankees in four games. They beat the Houston Astros, the reigning defending World Series champions, in five games. Dispatched them in five games. And then they went to the World Series, and they beat the Dodgers in five games. And the only game the Dodgers won took, what, 17 innings. And that team was so damn good, and you felt like, oh my God, they are on to something. This is going to be incredible for the next four to five years. And then 19 happened. They were not good. 2020, of course, the COVID year, whatever, that situation presented itself, and it was a joke, the Renneke year, all that. And then last year, they had their really only other run where they were two games away from a World Series. And it just feels like, to me, that core group of guys, that was the, you could argue, them and the Astros had the most talented teams just from a core perspective. The Astros had Correa, of course, now on the Twins. They had Bregman. They had El Tuve. They had George Springer. The only team during that span that could argue they were as talented as that team, maybe you could throw the Dodgers in the conversation as well, but as it pertains to the American League, was this group of Red Sox. And it feels like it's over now. And I can get to the point where they had to trade Mookie Betts. I can understand the rationale behind that. He didn't want to be here. But aren't we starting to get to an issue with the organization? This is a destination. This is the Boston Red Sox. Mookie Betts did not want to be here anymore. Now, whether that's just Mookie himself, his own individual thought process he didn't want to play in Boston because I thought that his comments this week quite quite frankly were disingenuous his whole thing about saying that he would have signed the 12 for 365 that's not true he was offered 12 for 300 we know that's been documented so basically the same in terms of an annual average salary he said he was going to go to free agency he's traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers we know the deal he wanted from the Red Sox was 12 for 420 a global pandemic hits so he signs the contract with the Dodgers for 12 and 365. So yeah, maybe if the Red Sox didn't trade him before a global pandemic and then a pandemic hit, maybe Mookie would have signed for 12 for 365. But to say that he would have signed that contract with the Red Sox, that's quite frankly, that's a disingenuous comment by Mookie Betts. But Mookie Betts didn't want to be here. Okay, fine. You had to move on from him. What I can't get over is how horrific the return was. Verdugo, fine. He's an everyday player, but he's not a great player. And I know he's been unlucky. I've documented that multiple times, but... Part of the reason the guy's unlucky in terms of his expected slugging percentage and his actual slugging percentage, his actual batting average and his expected batting average, hits the ball on the ground too much. Hit the ball on the ground too much. That's what he does, okay? And then you look at a guy like Jeter Downs. We've seen him. And look, I get it, small sample size. He looks absolutely atrocious at the plate. He looks overmatched. And Connor Wong's a backup catcher. That's what you got back from Mookie Betts. That's what I can't live with with the Mookie Betts trade is the return that Bloom got. And now Xander Bogarts, one of the great players of this era, he's going to be gone after the season. J.D. Martinez has gone after the season, and we'll see what the hell they do with Rafael Devers. I just feel like they are playing a very, very dangerous game with Devers. His best friend on the team is going to be gone. Who knows what's going to happen with the manager? If you're Alex Cora right now, you're looking at this thing. You were two wins away from the World Series. The guy running the organization didn't do nearly enough to help you with first base, didn't do nearly enough to help you as it pertains to the bullpen as well for the second consecutive season. How are you going to feel long-term? Alex Gore is a guy that comes to a place to win. He's one of the best tacticians in the sport. He comes to a place to win. So I don't know what the future holds for Alex Gore either. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett taking you up until first pitch of the Sox game, which comes your way at 1235. So if you do want to weigh in on this, 
because it appears the end for Bogarts is nearing. Whether it's at the trading deadline or after the season, we know he's out after the season, it appears, based on the way that the organization has essentially disrespected a guy that has done nothing but everything the organization has asked for, and they give him a low-blow offer like that. And quite frankly, if Bogarts wants to leave at the trading deadline, I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all, the way that Bloom and the front office have treated the guy. I would not blame him in the slightest for wanting to leave. So with this group, Bogarts, J.D., the Mookie situation, Rafael Devers, did this team underachieve with the talent they had? 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett taking you up until first pitch of the Red Sox game here in EI. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is the Brian Barrett Show on WEEI. All right, welcome back in. We're taking you all the way up until the first pitch of the Red Sox game this afternoon. It's the Sox and the Jays. Oh, I forgot to mention in trending, by the way. I'm sorry. Mutt's on the call with Will Fleming. I totally forgot that. Mutt is on the call. I'm excited to get Mutt in the booth today. Him and Will Fleming all have some Big debut. Big debut for Mutt. Let's go. Let's go. He's got to be fired up. So Mutt's going to be on today with Will Fleming. I don't know. I just didn't update my broadcast duo today. I just said Will Fleming. Will, by the way, great job yesterday out there solo. I joined him for an inning. Julian McWilliams is there. But not easy to do a game by yourself. Outstanding job by Will. So even though the game itself was not very entertaining. At least it wasn't the night before. Yeah, that's true. Will does make it entertaining, even if the game wasn't not good yesterday. Because that was, at times yesterday... A very hopeless feeling watching that game. 617-779-7937, the number. So a couple of things on the table. If you do want to weigh in on Ortiz, and I'm going to get to just how ridiculously clutch this guy was in a little bit and how much he meant to this region. I mean, just a perfect player for this organization 
for this city, everything he meant, of course, the 2013 season after what happened at the marathon. Ortiz giving that speech. This is our effing city. And then the team. Go back and look at the 2013 Red Sox. Like, Just look at the roster. They really were not that good from a talent perspective. That team winning a World Series, oh, by far, it's not even close. The least talented team of the group. 07 was loaded. 04 was loaded. 18, of course, the best team from a record perspective in the history of the organization. That 13 team was carried in the playoffs by two guys. John Lester and David Ortiz. This David is Ortiz. our city. Yeah, there we go. Good call, Nick LePan. David Ortiz was so good in the World Series. Nobody else on the team in the 2013 World Series hit north of 250. David Ortiz put that team on his back in the World Series. And this is not meant to be an indictment on anybody else that was on that team. I'm just telling you, that team was not talented. David Ortiz, 13 World Series. 11 for 16. Two bombs. Six RBIs. Of course, the incredible dugout speech. Here was his slash line in the World Series. 688, 760, 1188, <laughs> 1948 OPS. Unbelievable. He was 37. He did this at 37. And it took Mike Matheny until like game four to realize, uh, you know what, we should probably pitch around the Ortiz guy. Finally, they started walking him, walking him rather. Jacoby Ellsbury, second most hits in the World Series. Remember, David Ortiz was 11 for 16. Jacoby Ellsbury was second on the team in hits in the World Series. He had six. Ortiz had 11. He had the second best OPS in the World Series for the Red Sox. Remember, Ortiz at 1948. Ellsbury is at 599. They didn't have another player in the World Series that had an OPS north of 600. And they won the World Series because of David Ortiz and because of John Lester. And really, that would be the beginning of the end for the Red Sox in terms of handling their players correctly. Because after that, John Lester was disrespected by the organization. Very similar to the situation we have going on right now with Bogarts and with Raphael Devers, where John Lester was offered a contract that was less money than Homer Bailey. <laughs> Homer Bailey. They offered him less money than Homer Bailey. A guy that in the World Series and a guy in the playoffs that said, hey, hop on board. We're winning this thing. Guy was an absolute horse in the World Series, in the playoffs in general. Yeah, um, John, how about Homer Bailey? You want less money than him? And then they overcompensated for the sale thing because they didn't want to lose Chris Sale. Like they, lo they lost John Lester, two totally different situations. Lester was coming off a great 13 postseason run. He was pitching well and he pitched really well in 14, but prior to the 14 season, they lowballed him. And then he was really good for the Cubs for a number of years, won a World Series with Chicago. I'm not telling you that he was Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander, but he's a pretty damn good guy at the top of your rotation, and you didn't sign him long term. And now we're in a very similar situation. And you look at the sale thing. It was the opposite of Lester. Sale was breaking down in 18. Remember, everybody points to the Manny Machado strikeout. Well, he was supposed to start the game. You do realize that, right? But he was injured. He was hurt throughout the postseason. He missed a start against the Yankees as well. Remember that whole thing? He was dealing with a stomach issue. He was shut down at the end of that season for a long period of time. He still had a year remaining on the contract. And they extended him. So they overcompensated with Sale instead of just signing Lester a couple of years prior. And you wouldn't be in this damn mess. And now we're in the same situation again. It feels like Groundhog Day where this organization continues to disrespect great players. John Lester, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers. you got to stop doing this. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Spencer. He is in Beverly. Spencer, what's going on, man? You at Knicks today? No, yesterday. And, and nice. I went to the other place in Peabody. I went to the other place in Peabody that you mentioned near uh, Treadwell's. 
And I have to admit, it's okay, but it's no Nick's roast beef. It's not even close. close. (laughs) Not even close, Brian. Not even close. Hey, by the way, you got to go to Holy Cow. You got to go to Holy Cow. You got to go to Holy Cow. That's pretty good over there. Yeah, Yeah, my brother works there, man. It's a good place. You got to check it out. (laughs) Oh, really? That's a good place. Yeah, that's good. I've been there once. Uh, Anyways, a couple points I want to make about the Red Sox here real quick. Number one, Hein Bloom has shown how incompetent he is. This guy should be able to manage a team that's relevant now and still build for the future. That's your job. He can't handle it. He does not belong here. He's not the right fit for the organization nor the fan base. And I don't think John Henry cares about the fan base. I don't think he gives a like, – does he think we're so stupid that if you let, let go of Bogarts, Devers, and you continue down this path that we're just going to continue to show up? I hope I we think don't. he's banking on that. I we'll, think he's banking on that. Well, right. Right, but the only way we get what we want, right? the only way we get it is by stop supporting it. That's the only way. If you don't show up at the park, you stop buying the $20 beers, the 60 bucks a park, and all the rest of it, guess what? They're going to have to make a decision. That's the quickest way to get the result that we want. But they, they take advantage of us because they know that we're a bunch of suckers and we're going to continue to show up at these games. And, and it's, it's terrible. And like you said earlier, the disrespect that they show for these former players, it's unheard of. And, yeah, and, it- we lose drivers. Why? Why would we go to the park, Ryan? Well, if you don't have Devers, I know. And, what's the future? In in the farm system, I want. Oh no, your opinion. I don't think this farm system we have is very good. I've I've I've, I've watched them. I don't see anyone that's going to be coming up here anytime soon. That's going to well, make a big de- difference. Uh, Spencer, in in yeah. fairness, it has definitely improved. There's no way around that. But here's the reality of this: it does like most yeah. of those guys aren't going to make it. Even you go back to the great Red right. Sox teams of this last generation that I still feel like underachieved. You look at that group, Yoan Moncada, Michael Kopech. We're talking about these are the type of guys right. that were ranked in the top 10. And look, those guys were great prospects and all that. But my point is, yeah, Devers was really good. Yeah, Benintendi was really good. Right. But most guys yeah. don't make it. So the thing, and I appreciate the call, Spencer, as always. The biggest thing and one of the greatest things that Dave Dombrowski did, Dave Dombrowski was exceptional at identifying the guys that he could let go. He was incredible at that. And this whole narrative that he gutted the farm system, he didn't. That's untrue. Now, you can make an argument that he didn't build the farm system, although Brian Bayo is pitching today. That's a Dombrowski guy. But anyway, just getting back to my original point, is Dave Dombrowski found a way where he said, okay, I need a closer. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trade Manuel Margot as the main piece. Okay, Manuel Margot is a fine player. (laughs) Not an elite player across the sport, but he identified, hey, that's a guy I can move on from. And I'm going to get an all-star level closer. And look, Kimbrell was not great in the 18 playoffs, but he was really good for a number of years for this organization. You cannot argue to the contrary. Then you look at the trade for Chris Sale. I'm not putting Devers in it, and I'm not putting Benintendi in it. That's what he said. I am not putting those two players in the trade. You want Moncada, you want Kopech, you can take them. And they did, and they got Chris Sale. But you have to give Dave Dombrowski credit for saying, no, Devers is not going in the deal. So I would just like, and by the way, Santiago Espinal makes an all-star game because of the fact that he plays for the Blue Jays and they get voted on like crazy. The guy's not that good of a player. You got Steve Pierce, a guy that you needed to hit from the right side to be a compliment to Mitch Moreland. You needed Steve Pierce to win the World Series. And I'm not saying that this means everything, but he was the World Series MVP. Steve Pierce was really good for this team. After the trading deadline in 2019, he was a really good player for this organization. So when you look at that, he was really good at picking out the guys to trade to add to the major league team. Right now, we don't know if Ian Bloom is good at that. That's the reality. We do not know that because he hasn't made really big, significant trades. The only big trade he really made was Kyle Schwarber, 
And I told you on multiple occasions, there's only one reason Schwarber was here. The only reason that Kyle Schwarber was a member of the Red Sox organization is because he was hurt. And all that Bloom had to give up was the 18th prospect in his organization, Aldo Ramirez. Because Kyle Schwarber led Major League Baseball in June last year in home runs. So the reality is this. He was the best move that got traded at the deadline. But Kyle Schwarber, if he was healthy, other teams, like the Yankees, would have been in on Kyle Schwarber, like the Giants, who traded for Chris Bryant. But because of the injury to Schwarber, teams backed off. So yes, Bloom deserves credit. Schwarber was a nice move. But that's really the only big trade he's made in terms of bringing players to add to the major league roster. Pavetta's a nice find. He's got the worst hard hit rate in the entire sport. He's a fine starter. And yeah, he ripped off the Phillies, a desperate team that was in a desperate situation trying to win for the ownership group. So that's great. You traded away Workman and traded Embry. You got Pavetta fine. He's been a good starter for you. I'm not, tell, I'm not trying to make this about hating on Nick Pavetti. So he's a fine pitcher. But he's not like some Cy Young caliber pitcher or anything along those lines. Pretty good pitcher. I'm not denying that whatsoever. Connor Seabold. We've seen him briefly, his short time in the big leagues. The guy absolutely sucks. I mean, I'm sorry, and he's scared. The guy has no conviction with his pitches. He will not go after hitters. He is frightened to pitch at the big league level. That's just the reality. Maybe he improves, maybe he gets better. But right now, what we've seen from Kyle, Schw- uh, what we've seen rather from Connor Siebold, he's scared. And the biggest trade that this guy has made, Heim Blum, was one of the worst trades that I have ever witnessed in my life. And I brought this up on Twitter the other day. What's a worse trade? What the Minnesota Timberwolves got back for Kevin Garnett, which was basically Al Jefferson. Now, they did get two first-round picks. Now, Minnesota would screw that up. (laughs) They picked Johnny Flynn. I love Johnny Flynn as a Syracuse guy, but they picked Johnny Flynn and Wayne Ellington with those two picks. Ellington would get better as his career went on as a shooter, movement shooter, etc. But the point being, like those are the main pieces. Ryan Gomes, Theo Ratliff, those are the guys that went to Minnesota. That was not a good trade for the Timberwolves in the long run. But Bloom got Alex Verdugo, Jeter Downs, and Connor Wong from Mookie Betts. We're not talking about Andrew Benintendi. In fact, I would argue right now that there is a strong possibility that the trade for Andrew Benintendi actually has more value down the road because of what Winkowski could be than the trade for Mookie Betts. Think about that. That is not out of the realm of possibility that the trade of Andrew Benintendi could fetch you more than the trade for Mookie Betts. 617-779-7937, 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Bill. He's in Worcester. What's up, Bill? Brian, my question is, we've been told by Red Sox management that they don't want to go over the luxury tax for the Magic three years or four years. But how do these teams like They're the over, though. and the Dodgers? They're but over, though. They They're... do it every year. With... But how do they don't? Isn't it restrictive with the international signing bonuses and picks? Yeah, well, they went they went under it last year and they're back over it. Like they, they'll spend. I don't I don't think that's the issue with the organization. I I don't think that the issue is actually spending money, but I think what the issue is is they're trying to build a team where they're not looking at the quality of the players. They're just looking at the end result. They're not looking at Devers and Bogarts and all these guys and what they mean to the organization and playing in the market. They think that this bill of goods that Heinblum has sold, and I'm sure they wanted this type of thing hey, I can replace it with cheaper options. So I don't think, and I get that's kind of confusing in terms of the money aspect, but I, I'll say it to you this way, Bill. I think if they said, if Heim Bloom went to ownership and said, hey, I want to give Rafael Devers a $350 million contract, I don't believe that the ownership group would stop it. But I think what Heim Bloom has basically pitched to the Red Sox is we don't need to spend that money 
because I can find it in other ways. I can replace losing guys like this. I can do it like I did it in Tampa. So if that makes sense, that's what I think Bloom wants to do. Build it like he did in Tampa in some sense. I'm not saying they're immune to spending, but I also don't think that it's completely on ownership in terms of them saying, hey, don't spend this money. I don't think Bloom has that mandate from the ownership group. Okay. I appreciate the call, Bill. His, yeah, his line's open if you want to grab it. at 617-779-7937. That's my thing. I think that they, and look, you can say this is a good thing in some ways. They have completely handed the reins over to Bloom. They did the same thing with Dave Dabrowski until the end where they said, hey, this is your team. We need to win a World Series again. You go for it. Do whatever you need to do, okay? And then they blamed him for everything that went wrong in 2019 when they know that they're the ones that wanted Chris Hill sign long-term and all that. So, And by the way, the Evaldi contract, which did not look good at the time, actually did work out in some capacity. Last year, he led American League starters in Fangraph's war, and he was the pitcher in the wild card game. And by the way, that's another thing about Dave Dabrowski, identifying players to trade, Jalen Beeks. That's who he traded for Nathan Evaldi. You don't win a World Series without Nathan Evaldi in 2018. Dave Dabrowski was really good at that type of stuff. But my whole thing is I believe what they liked about Bloom is the way that he was able to build things up in Tampa where he didn't have a massive payroll. And as Bloom has alluded to, he loves finding these under-the-radar guys and making them all work. But the problem now is, and as a business group, I don't understand how the Red Sox are looking at the Devers situation and they don't realize that Rafael Devers is good for business. That's what I just cannot comprehend. And any team going forward, like this whole idea of a long-term sustainable winner, well, how is Rafael Devers not part of that equation? Rafael Devers is in his 25-year-old season. He's one of the best players in the sport. He's one of the best power hitters in the sport. He's one of the best hitters in the sport. How would he not be part of the equation? That's what is just completely perplexing to me. Building a sustainable winner, you would want to have one of the best players in the sport here in his prime years. Rafael Devers, you could make an argument. He's just starting his prime. He's 25 years old, right? He's, you could argue, pre-prime at this particular point in time. That's the type of guy that you want to keep around. So this whole idea of, hey, we got to rebuild the farm system, I acknowledge all that. The farm system was barren when Bloom got here, and he's done a nice job building up the farm system. But you don't have to do one thing and exclude the other. And I just felt like one of the things that this Red Sox team didn't do is they didn't go all in in the offseason to build around a team that was two wins away from the World Series last year. They did not act like a team that had almost won the World Series. And what it looks like right now is all they did, their big signing, was to replace a guy that was a two-time World Series champion. Essentially, what they did is they signed Trevor Story, and we all thought at the time, okay, yeah, they're just going to replace Xander Bogarts with Trevor Story. And that's what it appears. Their only big move in the offseason was getting a guy to replace Xander Bogarts after the year. So if you look at the Red Sox and the way they approached the 2022 offseason, basically what they did is they look towards 2023, 2024, 2025. And you have to do some of that, but that can't be your plan. Your plan cannot be, hey, how do we get better in 2023 and 2024 when you're two wins away from a World Series a year ago? Remember, the, the Red Sox, some of the players were frustrated at the lack of moves they were making in the offseason prior to the story thing. And the story thing gave them a little bit of a jolt of energy, but now we're realizing what story is. What story is, is a replacement to Xander Bogarts. And it was great for a while when this team was playing well. 
and Story's an incredible second baseman. This is not meant to be an indictment on Trevor Story. I'm not taking shots at Trevor Story. I think, quite frankly, he's had an underrated season. He's given you gold glove caliber defense, and he's a really good run producer. He hits with runners in scoring position, unlike J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts. This is not meant to be a shot at Trevor Story. But now when you look at this situation, that's what the offseason plan was. It wasn't about, hey, how do I help a team that almost won the World Series? Why don't we look at the flaws that we had a year ago as it pertains to the bullpen and say, hey, let's go in and try to shore up that unit, add to that unit, and let's take a run at one of the World Series. Because we were up to one of the Houston Astros last year. We had a real opportunity to win the World Series, and that's not what the Red Sox did. They looked at, hey, how are we replacing Xander Bogarts in the long term? Instead of saying, I, maybe I have one more year of Bogarts, one more year of J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers is reaching his prime. Alex Cora is my manager. We have one more year of Nathan Evaldi. How do I make the best use of this group and try to win a World Series? And you cannot convince me that the Red Sox went all in trying to win with this group, which I think is unfair to these core guys that have been here forever and that have been in a situation where they've won a championship. They should have been put in a place where they had everything they possibly needed to try to make it a run another one. And Bloom came up unbelievably short as it pertains to that. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett taking you all the way up until first pitch of the Red Sox game. If you do want to weigh in on this, did they underachieve the Red Sox with the Benintendi, Bogarts, Mookie, J.D., Devers, Court? Did they underachieve with this group? Because it feels like it's over. Xander Bogarts is either going to be traded at the deadline or he's going to move on after the season. So that's on the table. And I do want to get into David Ortiz. And one thing that jumped out to me about Ortiz's career, we'll get to it next year in EI. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Now, more of the Brian Barrett Show on WEEI. All right, welcome in. We're taking you up until the first pitch of the Red Sox game as they look to avoid a sweep at the hands of the Toronto Blue Jays today. Of course, they already lost the series, which should not be a shocker. The Red Sox are now 0-11-1 in the division. If you're wondering, that is not good. And if you look at the numbers in those games, it's absolutely pitiful. 12-28, and 0-11-1. They've been outscored 238-149. to They've been outscored by 89 runs in the division. Think about that. Think how bad that is. They haven't won one series in the division, and they've been outscored by almost 90 runs. I mean, it'll probably go over 90 today if they lose to the Blue Jays, which they will. It's probably going to be like 95 by the end of today. Unbelievable. This is your own division. You can't win games in the division. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Alex in Connecticut. Alex, what's up, man? Hey, Brian, how you doing? Uh, a couple things. I love listening to you. So you, I'm going to follow. Unfortunately, it, 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 it hurts today. I'm, it's going to be the first time that I'm uh, – well, I didn't watch them yesterday, but I'm not going to watch uh, the Red Sox this weekend because I canceled my subscription. So, you know, and it hurts. I'll be honest with you. And this, is so this right a stand to say you don't want to give the ownership any money? Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I will think about this. Every time I take, you know, a couple of kids, we go up to the park, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It costs me, especially the parking is ridiculous. It costs me pretty much two fifty to three hundred bucks between the tickets. That's if I get the tickets cheap. 
I've spent more, believe me, especially through the playoffs. I mean, the arguments in this household, but, you know, it meant so much to, to, to see them win championships that I'll never regret that. And my kids have always turned around and said, we love you so much for giving this to us. And we always yep. went to opening day to, to see, you know, the opening day the next year. So I paid, I literally, I've paid over $1,000 a ticket. I have, I did. But my kids, they love me forever for it, and I'll never regret doing it. It was well spent. But I'll never spend any money with this ownership unless they change direction or they show me they're going to change direction by getting rid of Hein Bloom because, he, like the other caller said, he's just not a fit. They would have gotten rid of yep. David Ortiz a long time, a time, or, 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 you know, which is an absolute shame. <laughs> yeah, but, you think you Ortiz would have been playing until he's 40 with Hein Bloom? Forget it. Think about Ortiz <laughs> at 37 years old. The thrills that he gave he gave us, and 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 this guy would have taken those memories away from from a great city and a historic franchise, a historic franchise. That's what hurts the most. It's historic, and it's just a slap in the face. These low ball offers well, and everything and, else, yeah, guys it's, like like you know, Xander Bogarts. Come on, man. Yeah, well, and you know what, but, Alex? The frustrating thing is like. You had a unicorn here in Theo Epstein, but Theo Epstein, who was a numbers guy, we all know that, sabermetrics and all that, he was able to build up one of the best farm systems in the entire sport, so it was a sustainable winner, and he also was able to understand the market, because he was from here, and identify the major league players to go after, the guys to bring in here to help this group. That's what he was really good at as well. Yeah, well... He's not. He's not good at. Uh, you know. He can. He can have all the accolades for filling up the farm system with maybes, and that's what they are. They're maybes, and uh, he, he is. He is in, in charge of fielding the team and giving it to Cora, who I'm afraid is going to be so frustrated he'll just leave anyway. And there I'm. Was, I'm very. I'm starting. Right Alex. Grab him. Yeah, Alex. I'm starting to get really worried about that. I am. I'm starting to get worried about that. That Cora is going to want to leave, and you know what's going to be I've embarrassing seen... for the owner. You know what's going to be embarrassing for the ownership group. That you know what's going to happen? One of these teams that's contending this year and say they lose a bad series, they are going to fire their manager to hire Alex Cora. Alex Cora, if he leaves here, he's going to a team that is World Series caliber. And if you lose Alex Cora, that is going to be an absolutely atrocious look for the ownership group because that'll be siding with Hein Bloom. And Hein Bloom will have traded Mookie Betts. He will have Xander Bogarts leave. We don't know what's happening with Devers. And Alex Cora could be gone. I'm not so sure that Alex Cora, he's already said he doesn't want to manage forever. You're right, but you know what? You just said my nightmare. I've said this under my breath here because I've, I've had so many Yankee fans that are surrounding me. You know, I'm in, in Southern Connecticut here, and most of my friends and colleagues and a lot of my family members are Yankee fans. But yeah. Aaron Bruin is not a good manager. And if these guys get into the wild card, and for some reason now they're starting to have some injuries, if they end up losing, and, and God forbid for them, they lose the uh, first round. I think Aaron Boone is gone. And if Aaron Boone is gone, can you imagine if they get Cora as their manager? Oh, don't I mean, say I that. Don't even, say that. Don't say that. I, I, don't that say is that. My, my biggest nightmare. <laughs> but, Brian, what I really want to ask you is this. Okay, okay. so now it's, it's unfortunate, but God forbid. But I want to ask you this question. Seeing that they're going to lose just almost 100 because David Price's salary is coming off, too. They're going to lose almost $100 million in payroll. They'll probably resign the Walkers, and maybe they'll they'll sign Vasquez. Uh, Vasquez, to his credit, is having a great year for him to try and get as much money as he can. Outstanding. That, that you know, may be your best trade chip, honestly. Yeah, and, and uh, Rich Hill. So they'll you know they'll spend like ten million, twelve million on three players or so. But now he's got a hundred and forty, a hundred, around a hundred forty million dollar payroll. Bogarts, Martinez, all of these guys are gone. 
Who is he feeling as? What, who are we going to see next April? Who is he going to go after to sign? What, what players are we going for? And we're leaving Devers out of the equation. I don't think he'll be here. And if he doesn't sign Devers, who are we looking at next year that's going to be out there besides you know Jackie Bradley Jr. and Trevor Story? Yeah, that's a really good point, Alex, and I appreciate the call as always, my friend. Sorry that you get to be around all those Yankees fans. Just tell them they're going to get their ass kicked by the Astros. They're not going to beat the Astros in the postseason anyway. But it is an interesting thing to bring up about, okay, well, then what happens after this year? Because the way that this season is going, it doesn't appear based on the way they're playing that this Red Sox team is making it into the postseason. Bogarts is gone. JD is gone. Nathan Evaldi is gone. Kike Hernandez is a free agent. He's gone. Of course, he's been barely part of the equation this season. Christian Vasquez is a free agent after the season as well. And he's having a really good year in a contract year. Teams could use a catcher. Now, he's not a great defensive catcher. That's just the reality of it. His framing numbers are absolutely atrocious. I'm not telling you that he's horrible back there, but he's not a great defensive catcher, despite that's how he came up. The guy's been incredible in terms of what you expected from him from an offensive perspective. He's been really good this season for this Red Sox team. He's been one of their most reliable hitters recently, and I'm not that that's saying a whole lot. But my overwhelming point is, so you didn't do enough to surround this team with quality to win at a high level, right? This team is not good enough from a roster-building perspective. So if you don't make it into the postseason, and all these guys that we're mentioning are gone, what's the goal next year? Is it just about building up the farm system, trying to continue to get young players? Who would you be spending the money on? Like, are you really going to be in the market? So say hypothetically Bogarts is gone. Are you going to be in the market for Dansby Swanson? Are you going to be in the market for guys like Trey Turner? If Correa opts out of his contract, are you actually going to be in on those type of guys? Because if you're not going to be in the playoffs this year, are you going to try to continue to spend? Or are you going to go out and spend big money on free agents when the team isn't good enough to win last year, that's where I think Kyle Bloom's going to have a really conflicting or a really difficult decision to make next offseason is what is he trying to do? What's the goal of the team? Because the goal of the players this year and the goal of the manager this year was to win a World Series. And let's be real, the goal of Kyle Bloom was not to win a World Series. You, you can't tell me it was. If his goal was to win a World Series, Kyle Schwarber would, would have been back here and he would have signed a better relief pitcher than Jake Walkman. That Those were his two moves. Jake Diekman, Jake Walkman. And not bringing back Schwarber and getting Xander Bogart's replacement in Trevor Story. He did not treat the 2022 season like he was trying to win a World Series. I don't know how you could argue to the contrary. He didn't. He didn't go all in. All these other teams, they go all in. They try to win World Series. Bloom didn't want to do that. So now, if his team doesn't make the playoffs, which it appears is very likely to happen, what's his goal next year? What is he looking for? You've already ruined the core of a really good baseball team. What are you doing next year? That's what I'd like to know. It's a good question by Alex. I don't know. I have no answers for what the hell Bloom's going to do in the future. No idea. And I do wonder this too. Is there part of Bloom that just wants to win with his guys, right? Like he realizes that he didn't get Devers. He didn't get Bogarts. He didn't get JD. He didn't get Nate Evaldi. That he wants to win with his guys. We've seen this throughout sports. Not just, it's not just unique to baseball. Guys want to win with their managers. Guys want to win with their players. Is that part of the calculus with Bloom That he wants to win with his guys, because he brought in his guy to replace Andrew Bogarts. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett taking you all the way up until the first pitch of the Red Sox game. And if you want to weigh in on David Ortiz, you can. The way that Bloom's built this team, that's certainly on the table as well. Did we see the last game that Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers ever played together? And it would have been a 28-5 loss. Is a 28-5 loss the last game Bogarts and Devers ever played together? I mean, that would just be sad. And by the way, I think Rob Bradford is going to join us in just a little bit. He's at Cooperstown as Ortiz goes into the Hall of Fame this afternoon. 
Rob, and Joe at the Hall of Fame. So that means Mutt is on the call today. Mutt is ready to go. He is ready to go. And I will say this to Bradfo, who is sort of like the alternate on these broadcasts when Sean and Joe or Will, one of those three guys aren't there, and one of them is flying solo until they get Bradfo in there, would say this, big day for Mutt. I'd be a little worried if I was Bradfo. Mutt's getting the opportunity. I don't know, Rob. All right. We'll see if we can chat with Bradford next and ask him if Mutt's about to take his job right here on EI. Bradford Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hits Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. All right, well, this is a complete joke. Were you told to do this, Nick? Nick Levan is producing? Nope. Why is this? I play this every time Brad Fole makes an appearance. Okay, well, this is my show, and Justin Turpin put together a fantastic open, I should say, that is my open. should not be Brad Fole show open to my show, okay? All right? Well, it is. I'm so not much of a it. diva, but come on. All right, well, he's here. Let's head out to the Hardboard Hotline. Joining us now, it is Rob Bradford from the Hall of Fame. Brad, if you get your own intro on my show, what's up, man? Well, this is news to me. When did the Brian Barrett show happen? I mean, I'm not against it, but holy mackerel. Talk about like, the next wave of, of brand setting for Brian Barrett. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Rob. So what's it been like the past couple of days there in Cooperstown as David Ortiz gets ready to go in today? Oh, uh, listen. I mean, I've never been to one of these things, to be honest with you. Like, So mm-hmm. I've been to the Hall of Fame. I came out uh, in May. David was nice enough to invite me and Ian Brown to, to sort of like give the, get the tour with him, which was uh, I thought was one of the career highlights for me, honestly. It was to see him hold Babe Ruth's bat and, and actually soak all that in. That was special. But the town was empty. I guess. When you come in here in Cooperstown <laughs> in May, there is nobody here. And so now, you know, this is nuts. I mean, this is absolutely nuts. And you have – I'm out at the, right next to the field right now where they're holding the ceremony in, in a couple hours here, but it's, uh, it's just a, it's unbelievable sea of people. It's cr- Brian, it's crazy. And really, you know, it's also cool walking down Main Street, going through Cooperstown, the whole scene about, you know, the, especially, and honestly, like with the, the Dominican element, I mean, that just takes it up a notch. There's no question about it. Yeah, we're chatting with our Clubhouse Insider. Well, I should say, we're just chatting with Rob Bradford today on the Harbor One Hotline. Sorry, Rob, I'm used to always saying Clubhouse Insider when you're on with me. I'm used to the pregame show. But, yeah, it, it, it is really I mean, cool. Can, can, can I say something real quick, Brian? Yeah, like, what's up? What are the Red Sox doing? What is Major League Baseball oh, doing? Oh. Like, what is Major League Baseball doing? Having the game at the exact time that David Ortiz is being inducted. Like, what are they that's doing? That's a fantastic point. That is a joke. This is an icon of the organization, and the team's playing at the same time. I'm with you. That makes I've never understood that. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, because well, it's not you. It happens to other teams all the time too. It doesn't make any sense. Why is the Hall of Fame ceremony during games? I don't get it. Why wouldn't no, they just also, do it like during you, the break? You know, well, forget about the break. I mean, you know, you know, and even this case, even if this is a one-off. You know that this one guy is headlining this whole thing. With all due respect to all the other guys, Jim Cott, Tony Oliva, everybody else. But this one guy who played just five years ago or six years ago, and he is being inducted. And this fan base is, is this is what everyone's focused on. What is wrong with pushing the game to four o'clock so that you can have people come into the, the stadium, to the ballpark, 
Watch the induction ceremony. Boom. There you go. Baseball, big winner. They messed. They messed up. I'm with you. Bloom probably thought it wasn't an efficient enough idea, so that's why they're doing it that way. So, <laughs> so it's a low-hanging fruit. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so, Rob, I know you can't go through all the players, but so I'm guessing all the headliners are there, Pedroia, Manny, all these guys that play with the Ortiz that we think of from 04, and 13, like a lot of the 13 guys there as well? Yeah, so I haven't seen Manny, but... We, so there was a, a party. The Red Sox put on a party yesterday, and it was cool, man, because it, you had so many players and who showed up for David, so many former teammates. And, and, and this isn't a knock on Pedro, but for the people who were around for the Pedro one, like they said, many more teammates showed up or former teammates showed up for T, Ortiz. And maybe that's a position player thing. I don't know. Um, but – but it was cool. I mean, we walk in, you know, and we're just hanging out with guys who I haven't seen in a while. And guys, honestly, who haven't seen each other in a long time. You know, Mike Lowell and Pedroia and Euclid and, and uh, Johnny Damon and, and Trot Nixon. And, uh, I mean, A-Rod showed up a little bit later, which was a little weird. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so Eck, Eck was there, obviously. Rice was there. But you have to remember, you know, when we're sitting around and, we're, and, and you have Pedroia and Lowell and those guys sitting around talking, like, they don't get a chance to see each other anymore. I mean, they live in completely different places. So, you know, to, to be able to, to not only see David, but be able to see each other, it was a cool, cool thing. Yeah, and Rob, so I look at it, too, like I was going through some of the stuff over the past week and just, you know, the numbers with Ortiz are ridiculous. But just from a moment perspective, 04 is obviously way up there, but... 13, Rob, when it was actually the same day where Brady threw the ball to Kimbrel Tompkins at the end of the game against the Saints. Oh, where, yeah, yeah. Remember this? They're, this the one way, of the, one of the way, great days they, in sports history. they traded Johnny Bullshock, yeah, exactly. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah, good point. But they're down 5-1, bases loaded, eighth inning. And that Tigers team, remember, they were loaded. Scherzer, Verlander, all these guys. And Ortiz comes up 5-1 game, hits the Grand Slam. Everybody remembers 0-4, and everybody remembers 13. But I feel like when you go back and look at that, that completely changed the outcome of that whole run. They don't win the World Series, of course, if they don't win that game. You're not going to come back and beat the Tigers after be being down 2-0. But it just felt like he had so many of those big moments, Rob. Oh, well, listen. I mean, there's two things. I would address two things. Number one, that moment that you talked about in 2013. I, I say that that was the most important hit in Red Sox history. And the reason why I say that, and people get all worked up with it, and, you know, you could make a case for a lot of these hits that Ortiz had in 2014. I mean, I'm sorry, in 2004. But in that case, you had to have a home run. Otherwise, you were not going to, you're not going to win a World Series. You had to hit a home run. You couldn't hit a triple, double, single, anything. You had to hit a home run in order to tie the game at that moment because, you know, no, nobody else was hitting. So you had to get hit a home run to tie the game because if they go down 2-0 with Verlander coming up in game three, you're probably going to lose that series. So, like, it, it was remarkable. And, by the way, they also, like, and I'm not saying this, this should devalue the home run, the grand slam, but they did have Joaquin Benoit, his changeup. They had his changeup. They knew, they knew when he was throwing a changeup. I don't know if a lot of people know that. And I don't know if even David like cared about it, but everyone on that team will tell you they had his changeup. So there you go. There's a little inside information for you. And in regards to David Ortiz as a player, I've also said he's the most important player in Red Sox hitter. 
history, and people get all worked up. Ted Williams, if you want to get through the last hour of your show, whatever it is, bring that up. And now people call up all pissed off because yeah, they'll be like, Yastrzemski. Yeah, well, Deekman. <laughs> and so Robles. You know, it's like, <laughs> but you have all these guys. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. This is the guy you don't win. How many World Series don't you win without David Ortiz? Three? Three of the four? You de- I mean, right? yeah, I mean you, you don't win 04. You don't win 07. And you definitely do not win 13. Rob, I was looking at it. You realize they had nobody else with an OPS over 600 yeah, in the he, World Series? He carried them. In 13, in 13 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to default to the archaic batting average. He hit like 600, and the rest of the team hit like 100. I know. I know. And, and, I mean, and so... So you don't win that World Series. You don't win 04. Um, you don't win, you know, so, you, and you don't win, you, you probably don't win, um, thir- uh, what was it, 07. I mean, the, the run that him and Manny went on to get to that point was insane. So my point is that along with all the World Series wins and what he did overall and what he did at the biggest moments, like I can't say, like, oh, I don't know if he's like the purest hitter. But I do think that he is the most impactful player in Boston Red Sox history. Yeah, I mean, you have a strong, convincing argument, Rob. You convinced me, man. That's a good argument. I like that. We're chatting with Rob Bradford. He's at Cooperstown getting ready for David Ortiz to go into the Hall of Fame on the Harbor One Hotline. So, Rob, bring me back to to when they signed David Ortiz. So Pedro was the guy that went to Theo and kept begging him to sign Ortiz. Is that true? Yeah, so... Yeah, there's that part of it. But the, another part of it was they went to, so you remember, you know, so he was just a, a part. So that, that offseason, you had, you had Kevin Millar from Japan, you had, and, and you, were, you got Jeremy Giambi. And, and so the whole idea was, okay, well, we're, we're going to we talk about, like, the current state of, like, throwing stuff against the wall, see if it sticks. There was definitely an element of that. You get David Ortiz, and what they did is they, they actually sent out Dave Jouse out to the Dominican Republic to hit him ground balls just to say, hey, listen, can he function? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and the other guy was – there was two other guys who were in the mix. There was Brad Fulmer, who could remember him, right? Greg, Greg How could Colbert, we forget? You know, former hitting coach. So, so those two guys were also, well, we can sign David Ortiz or these two guys. Well, you know, they, they worked him out. He, he passes the test there. He's getting the, he's getting the kudos from Pedro. Boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, there he is. So, it's, you know, it is amazing. I mean, it, listen, I mean, it, stuff like this doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. So I, I would not, uh, and I know that you, you uh, would get behind this, I would not say to Bloom, don't think it's going to happen. Don't look for, don't look for those uncovered gems too, too much for the guys who are going to be foundational players and Hall of Famers. But it is a great story. Oh, yeah. I mean, this the under-the-radar guy. This is Bloom's wet dream. The guy turns out to be one of the greatest hitters in the history of the sport. I mean, unbelievable. So, Rob, i got to ask you this before he let you go. Does he drop in the speech today, this is our bleeping city? Is that a lock? Nah, nah. Uh, no? I don't know. I, nah, I think it's, you know, I, it would be great if he did. Uh, but, but. It's a tough one, man. Like, I don't know how many – I forget how many minutes exactly they have. But one of the things he said yesterday was the Pedro, the advice Pedro gave him was, you got to be yourself. Don't get too bogged down in, in all the formalities and everything else. But you got to be yourself. And, 
And I think that, that that's what he'll try to do. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that think there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to, to do here um, and, and not a lot of time. I would love it. Um, and it certainly like would define everything. It is, it is interesting. The two different, like the two different nations, the Red Sox nation and the Dominican Republic, like th- that's what's making this whole scene. So I think so, so different than probably a lot of these uh, induction ceremonies. I can't wait. I'm pumped up for Rob. I cannot wait to hear his speech. And, bo- well, and Rob, know, I said... So you, why, you, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? No, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you have to pay attention to the Red Sox game Why? uh why this is going on. Like you said, I can't fix the start time of the Red Sox game. I, I implore everyone to listen to the Red Sox game to get updates from uh, from the induction ceremony. That's what I will uh, implore everyone to do. And speaking of that, the big debut today, Mutt is on the call. Oh. Any advice, Rob? How, first of all, how is his, uh, what's his temperature? What's the heart rate at? From, I have not talked to him. What Have you, have you, uh, have you touched base with him? I haven't really talked to him directly about this. He texted me earlier this morning, but not particularly about that. But I think he's ready to go. I think he's fired up. I'm happy for I, him. I think. I think. I think he'll. I think he'll be excellent. Um, I mean, it's big shoes to fill. As you know, when when you're when you're as the, the replacement for Rob Bradford. I mean, come on, let's go. <laughs> let's go, right? Uh, yeah. But. But uh, he, I mean, I know, I didn't know what the, those words that I just said went right, right up Mike Menansky's. You know what? But I, I will say this: Mutt is—he's he, long time in coming. He's going to do a great job, and I wish I was. If I wasn't here, I wish I was there listening to Mutt and uh, and Will Fleming. It'll be uh, it'll be great. And so, you know, it's, it is crazy, though, right? I know that back there, everyone sort of, oh my goodness, Alex Manoa and the Red Sox trade deadline and everything. But it is nice to put a pause on things and get away and like, okay, celebrate the great game of baseball uh, for a little bit. But I tell you what, Brian, you know as well as I do, the Brian Barrett like rant wagon is right around the corner and and it is coming because once wow. the Ortiz thing is done, this is all about this is all this is all about the state of the Red Sox. Yeah, well, it kind of I kind of had an out of body experience this week, so I mean, we've had a couple. Of, and by the way, Alec Manoa, screw that guy. I mean, he strikes out Bobby Dahlbeck and Franchi Cordero, and he's taunting the Red Sox. Like it's like you you striking out guys that strike out all the time. It's like dunking on a seven foot hoop. I mean, enough. I mean, go well, back to your dugout. I mean, that was well, ridiculous it, to me. Yeah. Well, well, you go you go back to when the bench is cleared in Toronto, and he was mouthing off, and I saw Ploiecki waving him off. And uh, I asked him later, and he's like, like, spare parts, man, spare parts. And I heard that oh, yeah. term, like, multiple times. And, like, it's a thing, I guess. I guess this is what they say. Spare parts means, like, eyewash. You know, like, come on. It's like, yeah. it's nothing. Spare parts. And, yeah, I mean, and it's it the is, one time they really could have used Robles. He would have fought the Blue Jays. <laughs> he tried to last year, remember? Uh, yeah, well, unfortunately, nobody else wanted to fight. But it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, but it, it's, it's, um, yeah, it, it's, I mean, I, we, we can get more into the Red Sox another time. But I do look forward. I, should we make the big announcement, right? Should we make the big announcement right here? What's the big announcement? The big, the big announcement is, is the Metric Man's uh, uh, metric, metric Man is joining the Bradford Show podcast? Oh yes, yeah, I'll be I'll be doing some stuff for you, man. Starting tomorrow, right? Yeah. Well, listen, I said to you every every time you wake up, you just rattle off these tweets. Your like heart rate is like at obscene level. So I'm like, well, why don't you just rant on our podcast? So we have a, a huge family. 
Uh, I stayed with Coop at his Airbnb. I got the bunk bed, the top bunk. It was awesome. Um, so, uh, Is you this know, true? Did you really sleep exact... in a bunk bed? No, uh, oh, but okay. it sounds good. But it's uh, it, it, but it, the the podcast has never been hotter, and I and your brand has never been hotter. So I'm bringing the two together. Welcome aboard, my friend. All right, let's go. I'll be fired up, ready to go. All right, that is oh, I Wally Pip. I mean Rob Bradford. Rob, enjoy <laughs> the ceremony today, okay? All right, man. I'll see you. Have fun. All right, that is Rob Bradford. He joined us on the Harbor One Hotline. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait for the David Ortiz thing. I know there's a lot of bad stuff going on with the organization right now, but I am very excited to see Ortiz go into the Hall of Fame today. All right, when we come back, we'll get into just how much Ortiz meant to this organization. Brian Barrett with you here on EI. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.